Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Matthew. You may be seated. We begin with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this day for your Son, Jesus Christ, who has overcome temptation for us so that he might win eternal life for us. We pray today, Lord, that as we hear of this victory, you would cause our hearts to rejoice, but also you would give us great resolve in facing temptation, reminding us, Lord, uh, that the victory is ours through your Son. And now, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you guys ever heard of uh, Thomas Kincaid? You ever heard of this artist, Thomas Kincaid? Uh, I, I forgot to talk to you guys up in the booth. I think there should be a slide up there with the Thomas Kincaid painting. Could you show us that? Okay, very good. Uh, this is a painting by a gentleman named Thomas Kincaid. Uh, Thomas Kincaid was a, a guy who lived up in Orange County. Uh, I think he died not too long ago. Uh, but he was an artist who was famous for sort of painting these, these cozy in the woods kind of paintings you got these beautiful little homes where it looks warm and inviting inside uh, and you have just this sort of beautiful serene tranquil scene this is what he was famous for now what thomas kincaid did is with these paintings he would sell these paintings and on the frames or somewhere there would be a bible verse tacked onto it so that as you looked at this painting it would make you think that this is a christian painting because there's a bible verse attached to it and the implication there was that uh, the God who creates this world is offering this sort of life to you, a life that is full of serenity and peace. To be a follower of Jesus means to be removed from all the difficulties and trials of life and to enter into this tranquil little cottage here. Kincaid's paintings offered a promise of a sort of escape. And when you tack a Bible verse onto it, it makes it sound like this is a Christian idea. The, the trouble, of course, with this is uh, this is nothing like the Christian life at all. When I was in college, we had a professor, one of my great professors, and he would say this to us. He would say, when you're doing evangelism and you're talking to a non-Christian about the faith, never, 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 never tell them that by becoming a Christian, their life will be better and all of their problems will go away. Because the reality is, is that when you become a Christian, you're inviting a whole new level of problem to your life. <laughs> Some of you laugh. Some of you are like, wait, what? Uh, the reality is, is that the Christian's life is not an escape from life's difficulties. Luther said it this way wonderfully, whenever uh, God builds a church, Satan builds a chapel. That is, whenever God saves a sinner, Satan is on the prowl. Whenever you're marked with the cross in baptism, you now have a target on your back that the devil is aiming at. Seems to me that if we want to have a better picture of what the Christian life looks like, maybe we should have this next picture. This is also a Thomas Kincaid picture, uh, but it's a little cottage under the attack of the dark side uh, and the imperial forces here. Uh, you have an AT-AT, you, you've got a, a star destroyer. Like, that's a little more accurate, you see, of what the Christian life is like. There's a lot of these online. They're kind of funny. Uh, this was the nicest one. Um, but it seems to me that this is a little bit more of what the Christian life is like. We are people under attack. Under the attack of the devil. Now, we don't live a charmed life above the fray. We live in the midst of a battle. Now, we have to be very clear about the nature of this battle. It's not like 
like a civil war where you have sort of two even sides going back and forth and it's anybody's guess who's going to win. No, we live in the midst of a battle that is a part of a war that has already been won. Satan is already a defeated foe because Christ has conquered him by his death on the cross and in his resurrection. And yet, Satan continues to snarl and to attack and to frighten and to come after us. Satan still comes after Christians even though we belong to the victorious Jesus Christ. So we live in the midst of what we might call, and we've got to be careful with this phrase because there's a lot of weight behind it and a lot of misuse of it, but we do live in a spiritual warfare of sorts. Our struggle, St. Paul writes, is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities, against Satan. And Satan, because our war is not of flesh and blood, he's not going to employ necessarily, you know, star destroyers or something like this, uh, but he is going to attack us with one very tried and true weapon that he uses all the time, and that is the weapon of temptation. Temptation. It is the devil's goal to tempt you away from Christ, to draw you away from the Lord. And this is how he does it. We heard it already twice in our readings today, both in the Genesis and in the Matthew reading. But we remember our first parents, Adam and Eve. God had given them this wonderful garden. He had given them everything they needed for this life. And he was going to care for them and tend to them. He had created them in his image. God had given them everything. And Satan comes along and undermines what God has given. He undermines the word of God. He sort of takes God's word and he twists it and distorts it. God says you can have all of this garden, that one tree, you can't eat of it, that's mine. Uh, If you eat of it, you'll surely die. And Satan says, did God really say that? No. If you eat of that, you're not going to die. You're going to be like him and he doesn't want the competition. You see. And so now uh, Adam and Eve think that this word of Satan sounds a little bit better than the word of what God has said. They, they trust Satan's word over God's word. They put their faith in the lie as opposed to faith in the word of God. And that brings death to us all. Because the word of God is life and light. It is our source of existence. And Satan comes along and offers us something that brings us death. And it is in this attack that all of us have been drawn into death. Satan takes God's word and he twists it and he maligns it, and he misuses it. Were you guys tired of the Star Wars painting? Is that what's going on? I'm just kidding. No, no, it's good. Don't don't put it back up, because it's a distraction, uh, except I like looking at it. Okay, Uh, but notice how he does this now. Notice how Satan does this. He, He does this with all the word of God. God speaks to us two kinds of words. We talk about this all the time, the law and the gospel. The law are those commands that God gives us, God's will, his design for how we should live in this world. Uh, The chief and most important law, of course, is this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Satan comes along and he says, that sounds awfully oppressive. Why not make your own laws? Why not follow your own rules? Why not become autonomous, make a law unto yourself and live according to that? That sounds like a good life. And it might sound like a good life, but it's one that leads to death. Or or think about the gospel. The gospel is not a command, but it's a promise. It's good news of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Christ has died for your sins. He forgives you for everything you've done. He's promised you the gift of everlasting life. And he gives all of this to you by grace alone as a free gift. Nothing is demanded of you. Everything is given to you. And Satan says, that sounds too good to be true. 
There's no such thing as a free lunch in this world, especially when it comes to the most important thing ever, eternal life. You must have to earn it somehow. God certainly hasn't done everything for you. So you'd better get to work if you're going to secure that eternal life. And notice what he's done is he's begun to create doubt in our hearts over the truth of the gospel. Satan's goal is to get you to act and live according to your doubt and not according to faith in the word of God. So he assaults us with these fiery darts of temptation. And let me tell you, I think I know why he does it. I think I know why he does it. He does it all the time because it works. He's been doing it from the beginning. Recognize, Satan has like no creativity, none. He just does the same thing over and over and over and over again because it has worked for him since the beginning with Adam and Eve. And you and I know it. Because time and again, you have been tempted to go away from the word of God. You've been tempted to follow your own ideas. You've been tempted to follow after things that please your own flesh. You have been tempted to ignore God's word and to uh, start to doubt the gospel. And you start to work for yourself against other people. Like, we know that this happens, that Satan draws us away from Christ. And we have fallen for it time and again. We give in. And this produces death in our lives. We have followed our our first parents, Adam and Eve, into listening to the devil more than the word of God. We have trusted that lie more than the promise. Even as Christians, even as Christians, we succumb to this. And this has worked for Satan every single time. Not every single time. I suppose there was that one rather important time, you know, when Satan lost when he lost everything, when he tried to tempt Christ. For now, as Martin Luther sings for us, a champion comes to fight whom God himself has elected. And God decides to enter the battlefield. He comes into this world of sin and temptation, and he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to take Satan on. And this is what we read about today in our gospel reading, in this wonderful passage, this account of Christ's temptation. Now, as I mentioned in the children's message this morning, when God sent Christ into this world, he had one mission, to go to the cross, to die for the sins of the world, to rise again, and to be given authority over all things. This is all kind of packed into this phrase that God uses when he speaks to Christ in his baptism. We do ourselves a disservice with this passage today by starting in chapter 4. We really should be starting back up in chapter 3 when Jesus was baptized. We remember the account. Jesus goes to the waters of the Jordan. He's baptized uh, by John the Baptist. And as he comes out of the water, uh, the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove. And then the Father speaks. And the Father says, this is my beloved Son. Uh, With him I am well pleased. And Satan's on the prowl. Immediately, the Holy Spirit takes Jesus out into the wilderness and sets him down on the battlefield. And it's almost as though God is sort of (laughs) enticing Satan to come out and fight. So the father has said, this is my son, with him I am well pleased. And Satan's first question to Jesus is this, if you are the son of God, prove it. God's had you out here for 40 days starving. That doesn't sound like something a father would do to a son. So if you're really the son of the father, turn these stones into bread and eat them. That'll make you feel better. Prove yourself. Prove the word. Then he takes him to this top of this pinnacle of the temple and he says, listen, if you're really the son of God, he's not going to let any harm come to you. Why don't you jump off of this thing and watch him send the angels to capture you? Ah, There's even verses that says he'll do it. Put him to the test, Jesus. 
Get him to prove himself. And finally, he says, listen, you're supposed to be the son of God, but you're suffering an awful lot right now. I've got something better to offer you. All of these kingdoms of the world and their glory, I will give to you if you just bow down and worship me. Follow Adam and Eve. Trust my word above the Father's word. He calls you son. I'll make you a king of the world. You just have to give me your allegiance. But now here in the battle is where Satan has overplayed his wicked hand. For you and I know Jesus will never bow to Satan. For Jesus has the word of the Father and he trusts it and he will not let go of it. Instead, he will use that word of God as a hammer to crush the lies of Satan and send him away. He will worship the Lord his God and serve him only, even if it means death on the cross. And Christ is obedient to the point of death on the cross where he suffers and dies for your sins and for my sins and for the sins of the world, and then rise, is raised up from death on Easter morning so that God gives Jesus the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. Satan may have offered Jesus the world, but it was the Father's world to give. And Christ's sacrifice for you means that you enjoy the benefits of this world, of this salvation. Satan, who drove Adam and Eve to the tree in the garden, tries to keep Jesus from the tree of the cross by offering him a life without sacrifice, but Jesus refuses Satan. Jesus will die and Satan will be defeated. And here's where I have good news for you today. You and I who have given in to temptation, who have given in to Satan's schemes, because Jesus did this, Satan is a defeated foe. And the good news is that Jesus has won this victory for you. He defeated Satan for you. He bound Satan for you. And though Satan tempts and rages and rails against you, he cannot defeat Christ. And you belong to Christ. Therefore, he cannot overcome you. You are Jesus's. He has died for you. He has purchased you with his blood. And he has promised you eternity. To be sure, Satan's temptation of Adam and Eve, which led them into the fall, that was your fall. Adam and Eve's sin, that was your sin. But the victory of Christ in the wilderness, that is your victory. Because when you were baptized, Jesus says you were crucified with me and raised to a new life. That means my death was your death and my resurrection is your resurrection. And my eternal life will now be shared with you and Satan cannot take it away. This is your victory through Jesus Christ your Lord and in baptism it was promised to you. It does not mean you will live a charmed, Kincaid cottage of a life. Yours will be a life assaulted by temptation and trial. But fear not. Instead, hear this word and trust it. Christ has conquered Satan for you. Yours is the victory. Because you belong to Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the victory that is ours through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray now, Lord, that as he has conquered Satan and overcome temptation on our behalf, that we too would stand firm against the trials that come uh, our way. And so we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we thank you that you have done it through your son, Jesus Christ.
in his name we pray.